Welcome to Six in the Mix. Yo, when this flock comes to talk, pull a chair and prepare. We have six in the mix. When we speak, it's unique. Varied views, no excuse for the news to be void of some fun and the truth. Word. We are a band of brothers who met and bonded in college. After starting families and branching out across the United States, we are coming back together to strengthen our relationships through the podcast platform. We call ourselves Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Join us on our journey. Welcome to episode 21. We want to encourage you to continue dropping comments and topic suggestions on our Facebook page at Six in the Mix Podcast or on our Twitter page at Six in the Mix Pod. We would love to hear from you. We've got a great episode today. We're going to talk a little bit about the march on the Capitol that happened this past week and thoughts and reflections on that. As always, we've got Six in the Mix trivia, and there's a special bonus to this uh, this week's trivia. And we are going to move on to uh, something unexpectedly positive uh, in Calling Your Shot uh, that we think is going to come out of this year. Feel Good Story of the Week by Ben, and then we'll continue to uh, we'll continue with Fix Your Eyes, kind of focusing on sanctification. But we do have a guest, so we've got a full six in the mix, mix plus one. We've got Bernie, uh, Ben's younger brother, on the podcast, and uh, he's going to play a, a, a key role later on, but hopefully throughout the, the process. So, uh, Bernie, welcome. We're looking forward to having you. All right, we're going to turn it over to Don to get us going on uh, topic number one. So, yeah, guys, I was sitting away, uh, working away at home, and uh, looking at uh, keeping an eye on the news as I knew there was that pr- – uh, that uh, protests or gathering at the Capitol. Interested as to uh, as far as what the um, voting of the electric electorate was going to uh, create for us and and some of the uh, things that possibly Vice President Pence was going to do. I was curious as to how this was all going to play out. And I remember getting busy. I stepped away and then I looked up and then all of a sudden I see ob- obvious chaos happening over at the at the at the at the Capitol building. To be honest with you, I had a mix of emotions um, and and, you know, I think I'd like to get um your guys's initial reactions and 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 I'd also like to try and keep this kind of like as a round table. I mean, I don't want to go uh, and uh pick off each one of you and and you know, give your thoughts. I'd like to try try and in some way Bernie you're included too cuz I'd love to hear some some reaction as far as what you saw, uh how you felt at the time that w- that it was happening and just to recap also, uh you know, Trump was made a made a speech to the rally at that at that same day and obviously he's come under a lot of fire saying was he the reason to blame for the for the uh, protest and and what happened at the capitol we had what's what appears to be four individuals losing their life at the capitol and you know we also have some some possibility of you know we, we we're not immune to the fact that we're we, that antifa other outside people could be involved at this as well it's hard to hard to prove that i do i i, I just maybe want to throw it out there um but um 
you know, I'm not, I'm not going to try and, and blame this all on them either. What I'd like to do is just, just hear from you guys. What were your initial thoughts when you saw this happening? And, and, you know, how is it, how, how is it, how has your thoughts changed throughout the week as have, if they have changed anybody, anybody want to jump in first? Yeah, for me, I was, I was shocked. I think the first, you know, being at work, I couldn't kind of watch it real time. I think I just checked real quick when I had a free moment and I saw a picture of guns drawn inside the Capitol and I was just shocked. I I was like, oh man, Lord, what in the world just happened? Um, and, and just kind of, you know, (laughs) I, I get it that there's the, the people do want to protest and have their voices be heard, but, to take the steps to breach the Capitol and, you know, presumably threaten or intimidate, you know, the, the elected uh, senators and representatives doing their duty across a major line. It was, that was completely unacceptable. It's not how, it's not how our nation is set up. And uh, it was, it was, it was very, very, I mean, it was horrific. It was extremely disappointing. We are supposed to be a nation that, that leads, you know, Trump says we're supposed to be a, a nation of law and order. And that clearly wasn't. And I don't think anybody really endorsed that at all, except for some of the extreme radicals. But uh, for me, just overall, it was just uh, really shocking and, and uh, as a tragedy. Yeah, it was shocking for me, too. I think, you know, you said a lot of good things there, Matt. I guess the other thing that came to me pretty quickly on was it just seemed so easy and not not that I'm going to put anything else behind that but it's just like I know there was some transition happening right they were building the stage and setting up for the inauguration that's coming in a few days so maybe some of the standard um, protocol or safety fences or whatever weren't um, in place but uh, it just seemed like it, it was like people knew there was going to be a rally happening in Washington, D.C. with it being accepting the Electoral College vote. So why wouldn't there be more security, more things in place to hold everything together, knowing there would be a lot of people in Washington, D.C.? It just seemed so simple for them to invade the Capitol. That was another thing that struck me pretty early on. So do you guys feel that um, Trump had a part in, in, in what happened based on the things he said is what I'm mainly referring to? How did you guys feel? To, how do you guys react to that when you hear that? No, I, I don't think he had a major part in it. He, his words uh, weren't the best words. He, he did encourage, as I remember the speech, folks to make their voices heard, head that way. Um, but, of course, anybody who hates Trump, which is most of the media and the Democratic Party, it's just easy pickings for them to throw all the blame at Trump. Uh, there, there's no way this is an impeachable offense. I, I've I've tried to call it as I see it with Trump. I'm not I'm not his biggest fan, and I'm not his largest critic either. But I, I think I think what we've heard to blame him to the extent they're blaming him right now is is a bit a bit too much. Um, but that's just my opinion. I'm interested to hear others. Well, Don, I I did not hear Trump's speech. I I don't know what he said. I was in class teaching. And so I was kind of almost vicariously living through text messages coming from you guys a little bit and and, uh, kind of flipping to the the news apps from time to time in between classes. So I didn't get a huge picture into this. But one thing that is interesting to me, just just you, you asked for initial reaction. So here's my initial reaction. At any athletic contest or anything that has a huge competition, there is so much hype and there is so much that builds up to that. 
And I felt like this whole time January 6th was going to be the a big deal. And I think there were so many eyes on what was taking place real time uh, and so many things that were anticipation that when when those things kind of come to a head, it's like things will happen that will be out of bounds than the norm. And the bubbling over of what happened at the at the Capitol and the protesting and, and lives lost and other things that, you know, obviously people were very, very fearful, not just our senators and elected officials, but there were there were peaceful protesters that were there also, I think, that were caught in a kind of a surprise, like what what is going on? It's just it was the avalanche that that just kept coming. It was when it got to that level, it was it was amazing. I can remember in high school playing sports and that anticipation of the the team that you were going to play that you were talking about fighting in the parking lot afterwards and then you played the game and then you were talking about fighting in the parking lot afterwards. Do you, anybody else has have that kind of, you know, and it was like that except some things actually broke loose and there were some problems and definite regrettable things took place. At the outset watching this, I was just, I couldn't help but be overcome with that same feeling and I wasn't even playing in the competition. That's how I felt all day long. It was weird, but that's just how I felt. I'm sorry that a lot of those things happened that were, like I said, regrettable. Um, But in in many ways, I I guess I'm not surprised. I really am not surprised. And uh, the reality is that what what has happened is... And it's on the record and everybody can sway it whatever way they want to or try to want to. Um, but again, we're going to we're going to struggle with what is truth, what is truth about the thing, what is not. And at this point, I don't even think it really matters other than some of the prosecutable uh, issues. But I'm still left a little confused, dumbfounded and like, OK, we were already at a bad state in, in our in our country. And with the temperament of our country, that didn't help. <laughs> I feel like we have just, whoom, taken the step. And as the senator in Wisconsin said, I think we now have hit rock bottom. Let's be clear. the When people take actions, they're responsible for their actions, right? No doubt about it. And I believe the law will uphold that and we will ultimately uh, dole out the penalties due to those who breach the Capitol and such. However, leaders bear a responsibility in the tone and the temperature that they set, they can either elevate and escalate things or they can help calm down. And, you know, I believe, you know, Trump used words that helped escalate and raise the temperature to a point it did not need to be. So did he directly give orders to storm the Capitol? No, but I believe he bears responsibility for raising the temperature of thousands or some of his more ardent supporters. Uh, and he should, as a leader, been able to see that that certainly could have happened. And, you know, I think back to Ben's point, you know, brought in the National Guard before then. We should have had that should have been beefed up. So, yeah, do come and protest, come and come and share your voice. But we are not going to interrupt our, our, our sacred uh, nation's responsibility to choose our next president. Yeah, you guys are you guys are hitting on some good things. I think I'm kind of like Jeremy in that I didn't even know what was going on for about four hours. Uh, my wife and I were doing some work. And um, I just didn't have my phone with me. We didn't have any media on. And so the first time I checked my phone was, oh, I think it was probably 4.30 Eastern time. And I had 30 some text messages from you guys in our in our group texts. And uh, I flipped on the TV and saw the, the chaos unfolding. And at first it felt like a dream. 
uh, to be honest. It felt a little bit like, you know, when you watch the news and they're showing video of some banana republic that's undergoing uh, some kind of a, a revolution or something and people are grabbing and running and, you know, pushing and, and the, the, the police are trying to hold them back. It just felt like we were watching something in a different part of the world. And I think my, my shock pretty quickly gave way to sadness. Um, and I think that's been one of the presiding emotions for me. And I think it, it boils down to a couple different things. One is sadness because this is where, where we are as a, as a culture and as a society. Um, and we've talked about it before in terms of just the, the level of vitriol, the level of antagonism that, that we have um, all too often. Um, the inability to have dialogue and conversation without setting up straw men uh, uh, to tear down and to inflame people, um, which we see that on, on every side. That's not just a, a one side fits all. But ultimately, I think I've, I've kind of found myself settling into a place of just acknowledgement um, and and hopefulness in that we are finding ourselves, I think, 2020, and we're going to get into our discussion about 2021, so I don't want to tip my hand, but we're in a place where we look back in 2020 and we see the realities of the foundations of people's lives being shaken. What people thought was dependable, what we thought was life-sustaining, what we thought was the meaning and purpose of life, thing after thing after thing has been pulled out from underneath us in 2020. Um, and so in the midst of my sadness, I think I'm, I'm hopeful that this, even this is something that our sovereign God can use to draw people's hearts to him. And so I, I find myself with that dynamic tension of sadness and a little bit of dirtiness of, of watching what happened and, and lamenting it and yet hope in anticipation of what God can do in the midst of it. And that's irrespective of what happens with the political environment and the, the leadership of our country. But I, I think I find myself with those two emotions. Don, how does this fit with, you know, you, you've kind of been, a, you know, you, you know we, we kind of make fun of your bunker mentality and, and stuff like that, but you kind of prognosticated, you know, prophesied in a sense of, Guys, things are coming that we haven't seen, and certainly I, I did not see this. And again, maybe I, I'm, I'm probably a, a more of a Pollyanna in life, um, and not not looking you know, as realistic as I need to be. But you know, how does this this step play into what you have been challenging us to to, to learn more about and and think about as it relates to to all the things that are going on? Well, I think it relates in the fact that there's a it's it's like a pressure valve, the conservative voice is not being heard or being ignored. And when you have a voice or an opinion that's not being heard at time after time, uh, that sentiment is felt throughout the, the, the group. And at some point, right, it, it builds up and, and it erupts. Um, we saw that, you know, in, over the summer, you know, um, civil, these civil, um, civil right issues, Black Lives Matter, these shootings, people were saying we're not being heard. These things need to change. If you're not going to hear them, we're going to start, you know, raising our voices. And that's when you get some of this protest that got that turned violent. 
And I think in a similar fashion, you see what you saw happen at the Capitol. Now, whether it was a pressure valve that just released because people's opinions were not being heard because they thought that the election was stolen, is that a possibility? I, you know, I, I kind of think it is. And I think that um, I don't, and by, by no means do I ju- feel it's justified by any means, but, and violence is never the answer. But I think that that's where we were talking about in our last podcast, where the civil war piece comes into it, because I think that as voices are being squelched, voices are being taken off the internet, voices are not allowed on certain platforms. We are living in a time right now where the sitting president is not is is being silenced on all major platforms of communication. Um, now you can argue whether these uh, big techs are their own private organizations. They should they have every right to uh, make the decisions that they do and quiet certain people and not. But you know we can have that argument. But there's a serious problem when you have do we have a, a monopoly in the communications department of the United States? I mean we got Twitter and Facebook here pulling a lot of the shots. Are they too big? Are they too big? Are they, are they, you know, I mean, are, are they working hand in hand with the government? And I just think that um, it's, it's, it's getting to the point where, you know, I think where we were all kind of thinking about the civil war side of things in our last podcast, there's a, there's, there's this obvious pressure point that's, it's, it seems like it's, it, did it blow a, blow, you know, completely get blown out and release all the pressure at the Capitol? I would like to think so, and that would be the end of it. But I don't think I don't think it is. I think that was just a little little piece of it because, again, we've been seeing this week um, parlor going down. You know, like I said, mentioned earlier, the president being uh, silenced. We've got all these other conservative voices that are uh, and they call, we we were hearing it being called the Great Purge, things like that. I love it what Ben said the other day in the in our tweets or in our in our texts um, when he said when the Georgia Senate results came in I was worried about what would happen in the next two years now I wonder what's going to happen in the next two months or even just the next two weeks I thought that was spot on it's crazy I mean to think how far we you know how fast things have just progressed um, do you guys feel that with all the you know the, the censorship happening is is that a, a harbinger of something? bigger or do you think this is something that just needs to play out because I think you we think that the courts and things like that will will take care of this. I I personally think that the courts may have something to do with it and they're gonna they're gonna save face in some regard. But I think this is just you mentioned the pressure valve. I think it is a volcano. Maybe the volcano kind of erupts and it tips its hand, but really that doesn't mean that there's nothing underneath that's that's going to you know come to the surface again. It's going to. It's just a matter of when and how and what that looks like. And I here, here's one observation that I, I've t- I've told my family. Everything today, as far as news and media and all the things that we have is in fast forward. It, it is in absolute real time. We get it and we we have to process it that fast too. And that is difficult, I think, for the world, let alone America, let alone our families and our own hearts. We can't process things like this at the magnitude that this is in just a few minutes and then go on with our life as, as if everything's good. And so I think this fast forward flash Everything is happening right now, and we have to land on a side, and we have to be on the right side, and we're so uh, frustrated because we don't know where that is. 
I'll be the first to admit, I, I have no idea what in the world from the beginning of this COVID stuff and even before that, in some of these big issues, you know, to be honest, I don't know what's right in every single circumstance because it's it's all new. It's all too fast. It's too, it's too, you know, in my face. And I like to consider, I like to think, and I like what scripture says, which is, you know, when when you deal with things like this. Fast responses never equal great responses. When you have to make quick decisions, they don't always they don't always um, precipitate wonderful blessings. Because if you need the wisdom of God, He says, "Ask of Him." And yes, He can give that immediately. But I think there's a vetting time and a waiting time and a and a mentoring time and a meditating time that must take place with some of these issues. And to, to rub shoulders with godly people and his, the friends and, and uh, uh, relationships that he has put in our lives need time. And we need to make good choices that have lasting impacts. And I think part of our issue is the fact that some of our politicians are also having to live in fast forward. And so they're making choices that don't look at generations to come. They don't look at things. So fast forward uh, politics, fast forward living is is not for me. I, I just don't, I don't like it. I don't like the place it puts me. And I don't really think it's a biblical uh, pattern for any life at all. I think that's a good point, Jeremy. And I, I would just add, I was reminded of a verse this morning in Psalm 118. Um, and the, the verse that was referenced was Psalm 118.9. It says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Yes. And, you know, that's, that's where we're at. But even the other parts of that chapter, you know, it starts right out in verse one, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. And then uh, later on, David is saying, when hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? You know, it's while we live in this world, right, where we we have the benefit of the eternal perspective and reliance that we can have on God as we go through all of these uncertain times. And, you know, I, that's that's as the week is worn on, you know, Don, back to one of your questions originally, as the week is worn on, I've tried to put some more thought around that component of it. You know, I, I can't, know everything to dissect exactly what happened at the Capitol and, and everything else that's been going on for the last several months, like you said, Jeremy. But I do know where my where my solid rock is and who I can rely on and depend on. And I just need to put a little more energy that direction than worrying maybe quite as much about what's happening here on Earth. And I, I was going to say, Don, regarding your last question about is this censor, censorship that we're seeing right now, is this a sign of, of more to come? And, and I don't know, but what I do know is I feel like ever since this Capitol March, I don't know how or why, but I have gotten onto some message threads on my social media that are so conspiracy theory laced. Uh, I'm really struggling. I just, I'm like, do I even read these? Is there any truth to them? And it's it's interesting because if what I'm hearing mentioned as a prediction of what's going to happen in the next few days, like stuff that will be history for sure, we've never seen anything like it. And maybe, Don, you've seen some of this with your studies too. But if that's true, it, it is going to be a buckle up time. And it's it's going to be a, sh a major shift to the <laughs> to the pro-Trump side. However, if it's not true, 
and you've got all this stuff being peddled, you can almost see why some of these social media companies are shutting things down the way they are, because there are some big time things being mentioned here. I, I'm all for free speech. Um, so somebody's in the wrong here. I, I don't know who's in the wrong, but um, truth is needed more than ever. And I, I just cannot believe all of these false doctrines, these winds that are trying to sway us. And what I found myself doing more than not this week is just trying to refocus my family in this home and outside of my home to say, who are we trusting in? We, we really shouldn't be losing sleep over this. We, we need to keep our eyes focused on the Lord. It's interesting being a history guy and a guy who likes keeping up with political things. It's interesting to hear some of these ideas, but I, I'm not losing any sleep over them. I, I'm going to do my best to, to look to the Lord uh, to carry us through these times. So um, the interesting days ahead for sure. You know, one of the things that I challenged my my kids uh, this week to do um, was to make sure that as Christians we are searching out the truth because we're because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. It is also desiring us to search for the truth, and whether the truth be in in the scriptures or the truth be through other means, like you know, researching an issue, uh, a topic of of something. You know, I'm. I've really challenged them not to not to uh, believe everything you hear. I want them to make sure that they research the truth themselves. And that's a challenge for me as well, because I, I am prone to that where I hear something and I glob onto it and I think, oh, you know, that's that, that what that person said is right on. But you know what I've got to do is make sure I'm researching it myself. You know, when I was looking at these elect uh, with the election results and things like that, I was hearing all these all these theories of where these numbers were coming from. I'm not a numbers guy, um, but that's where I've got to direct my focus on and look at the numbers. And when I started doing that, I was realizing that the numbers just don't add up. I mean, I, I you know, as far as the election, and that's a total, uh, I, I say that not to go down the path of stopping the steal, things like that, but I'm telling you, I'm just saying, research for yourself. Do your do the math yourself. Do the you know look at things through through a lens that not only uh, glorifies God but also uh, in 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 part uh, helps you find and understand what the truth really is. You know, I heard the theory up there that uh, President Trump was has taken so much of the. the vitriol uh, from the media, from the left. And once he's gone, it, where is that? Where is that vitriol and backlash and now censorship obviously go? It's going to create a vacuum. And I think one of the things I think I can say I believe in is that uh, as Trump you know, goes away, if he does go away, I mean, I don't think he ever really will go away, but I'm just saying as that um, piece of him, you know, steps away from from the uh, from the Oval Office, I think that this idea that they're coming for us type of thing, I don't necessarily think they're really coming for us. I think that they're trying to uh, going to be though uh, looking at our words more strongly and and trying to you know you you I've heard the words reeducation and all that kind of stuff coming up right of uh, and and that, that's that's a, that's a scary time and um, I don't want to think that um, God has not come into this you know sent us here just to just to follow along and, and be a part of this world. We are not to be, we're not called to that, obviously. Um, 
uh, we, but we are definitely in a time that's on unparalleled to anything we've seen yet. And, and it's, uh, it's quite interesting and it's going to be an interesting time, uh, coming in the days to follow. Um, any other thoughts guys? Well, I would just chime in if I could. Yeah, Bernie, uh, go ahead. As I, as I looked at some of the photos and various things this last week of all of the destruction going on and the lack of respect for the nation's capital, I, you know, I'm reminded a little bit of, you know, what what are we holding in in respect you know the history that we have and all of the people who have done so many things for our country and we're just kind of coming into this place where everybody so far has not had much for respect for almost anything whether it's each other i've really appreciated a lot of the things that you guys have said and even in the last podcast um uh one thing that kind of came to my mind and i'm not trying to create a complete parallel but how uh, in Second Peter he talks about Lot um, and his soul was vexed daily in one version, and the other one is tormented righteous soul. And he just you think a little bit from his eyes um, watching Sodom and Gomorrah, and you you just that every time you flip on anything um, on the computer, you see another photo or another story, and it just almost blows your mind um, at what's going on. And so I appreciate the idea of, of uh, who our rock is. One thing that I heard this week that also kind of gave a little comfort was the idea of, of uh, we're all in, you know, created for our time. Uh, and so as the stimulus package came out, we're all wondered who's going to pay for that as the destruction is going on. And we're wondering what in the world our kids are going to do. And so, you know, I've got kids and, you get this fear like, oh, man, what are my kids going to have to have uh, to live in? And it was an encouragement to hear the idea that, you know, our kids are born at the exact moment that they need to be uh, to make, a, you know, a, an impact on the community or the world that they live in. And so it, that was a little bit of encouragement because you kind of get scared for your kids, like what in the world is is going to happen there. But um, but it, there's some truth that, you know, they are made for such a, such a time as this. And. Uh, you know, we do our diligence to to teach them and train them, and you know, the Lord willing, they just use them, and it and the church continues, and uh, the Lord can be glorified through it. But it's definitely a hard thing to live through and to watch for no. Yeah, and I I guess I just had a couple of final thoughts on this. It would be nice if our politicians could at least be consistent with where they stand on protesting. I blame a lot of them for having one stance this summer. And then if it's not your political side that's having a protest, turning a blind eye during the summer and then turning against so violently to the point of anybody that I think was responsible for this protest, you're going down. You're going to be impeached or you need to resign. Whereas a lot of these politicians last summer were cheering on the violent protests. And so – it would be nice if they could be principled people. Maybe that's too much to ask. And why can't our politicians all come together and do their best to promote voter integrity? I mean, if nothing else, I, I know I'm kind of a homer when it comes to Ted Cruz. All right. He's my guy. But I, I do appreciate what he did this week and just saying, hey, can we get a serious commission to look at this? There is so much concern, so many irregularities on top of normal elections this year. Can we at least look at this? And um, well, Democrats have done that in years gone by. They've questioned irregularities. So 
maybe going forward, we can have principled stances on violent protests, and maybe we can get a better feeling of how we know our votes really count and the right votes really count and what what the auditing process looks like. I mean, I think that would give everybody peace of mind. So those are my my final parting shots. I'll give some parting shots. I'll I'll say this. Power has an insatiable appetite for a position like the presidency or any of our sitting elected officials for uh, a group or for an individual. And Don, you talked about a vacuum. The power, the power or that insatiable appetite may go away, at least visibly from some, some platforms. But the need for that to flesh out in, on somebody or something in, a, in, a, in an, a way that can be a tidal wave and it, it, it often will come out in aggressive forms. Uh, I think that is what we're going to wait to see. None of us know how that's going to flesh out. Could be censorship, could be, uh, could be laws, could be all kinds of things. But I, I believe that the insatiable appetite that people, groups, positions have with this concept of power is going to be absolutely uh, prolific and extremely obvious in ways and we'll probably have to watch it on the news, but I think it's just going to be a, an aggressive thing. And I think we need to buckle up for that. I want to end with this, too, is and looking back at the big picture, guys, let's not forget the big picture. And it, remember in, in Ephesians six twelve, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I really do think this is a spiritual battle. And it's, it's, it's exactly what Satan wants to happen. He wants to sow discord. He wants to uh, sow hatred. He wants to devise. He wants to keep people as far away and separated from each other as possible. I think as Christians, I think we are, have an opportunity here to be at the forefront of something amazing. Like Ethan says, he didn't want to tip his hand. I have a feeling of where he's going. And like I said, I think we have an opportunity here to do something great. You know, I'm, I, it is scary, but I also think it's something that, that as an opportunity as Christians, we have something, uh, something that we're on the forefront of that have, have a huge impact on our world, on our neighborhoods, you know, especially. I mean, we talked about civil war. One, one of my friends said, uh, we, you guys talked about civil war last week. Well, civil war might be between your neighbors, <laughs> right? I mean, we're, we're talking about different different thoughts and ideas. And man, all of a sudden, you're, you are warring against each other just for your, a different thought, different idea that they might not hold. And we have an opportunity within our neighborhoods and our, and our, and our cities here to uh, be on the forefront of something special. Um, so I, it, part of me is kind of excited. You know, as, as strange as that is to say, a part of me is a little excited here because we have an opportunity here, man. It's 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 not just all gloom and doom here, guys. We have something um, worth fighting for, and and it's it, obviously it's the gospel, and the gospel is truth. We know that for sure. We know that we can we, we can rely on that till the day we die, and uh, and that's what's so exciting because I think the gospel is going to flourish uh, despite despite all the negativity and because Satan is is uh, working his butt off trying to get this get this through and pushing it through. But uh, I think there are too many good people out there right now that are, are praying for this nation, praying for this world that I think that's we're on the forefront of something special. An optimistic Don coming out of the bunker. <laughs> Seriously. <That's> exciting. <laughs> Well, that was certainly a, a rousing, uh, rousing first topic, but you guys know what time it is. 
That's right. It is the Six in the Mix Trivia. And I know what everybody's thinking. We got through uh, a topic one that was full of uh, controversy and challenge. And now we're going to get to something that's a little bit more lighthearted. Oh, no. We have controversy. We have controversy in the Six in the Mix Trivia. And so for the first time ever... First time ever in Six in the Mix uh, history, we have a challenge to a previous trivia question. And so we'd like to hand it over to Bernie to present his arguments uh, to the committee. We are a podcast of Law & Order. And so we want to make sure that uh, voices are heard, challenges are uh, entertained uh, to the extent. And so, Bernie, why don't you go ahead and uh, share with us uh, a challenge that you have? I appreciate that, Matt. Uh, I am an avid Six in the Mix listener. Uh, I might be by myself. I might be with my family. I know that trivia is definitely my favorite uh, time. And I know you get a lot of bad rap, Matt, about the music you choose. Um, I'm with you on all of them. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, and so I see on. what but you're doing, though. You're trying to kiss I'm up to the committee, but, but I like it. I like okay. it. You're doing well. So it came it came to one. It came to one question where uh, where did the Magi or the wise men see Jesus after he was born? And I was all excited. I'm thinking, yeah, great question. I'm going to preach on this topic in two weeks. Let's hear what they have to say. And then I was a little taken back by the fact that somehow they got all the way back to Nazareth. So as I read and study, I've learned one thing over this topic of the Magi. There are no solid (laughs) evidence to almost anything about them. Um, So it's fabulous. But as we read just through scripture, taking Matthew chapter two and a little bit of Luke, because those are the only two gospels with uh, good, clear uh, renditions of Jesus birth. uh, We look at Matthew chapter two. And in the in the pages, just in you know the black and white right there on the page, uh, we see that he was born, and then in verse one it says, "And now after he was born in Bethlehem." So then, according to those pages, then there's a flight to Egypt, or the visit from the Magi, and then the flight to Egypt. All the children get killed by Herod, and then they return to Nazareth at that point. And so I would say, according to that, that the birth would have happened. Uh, Mary and Joseph would have had to done their due diligence by going to the temple and having their, their eight after eight days of cleansing, the whole religious process there. Uh, when the Magi come, uh, according to some sources, they probably came from Persia and they would have come along the river there in the uh, from the north as they came east, and then they would have come down. So if they would have been hitting Nazareth, they would have had to bypass Jesus to go to Jerusalem to search for the new king of the Jews. And then they would have had to go back up to Nazareth, but Herod t- sent him to Bethlehem. So I would say that the house that Jesus was in at that time was actually in Bethlehem because family had to go back to Bethlehem also from our understanding of history to pay their respects, their taxes to be to be counted in the census. And so it's probable even, this is guesswork, because like I said, there isn't actually any amazing clear-cut evidence about it. 
But if they all came as family down to Bethlehem, they probably had some relatives to shack up with there. That's wonderful. Any other plaintiff arguments before the defense brings its case? Well, I'm part of the B&B brothers uh, complaint here. So the only thing I would add, since so many have been such major John MacArthur fans. Do not bring John <laughs> back in this. John oh, MacArthur's study goodness. Bible up here. And in the notes, it talks about, uh, for Matthew 2, verse 11, talks about into the house. So that, if I recall the question correctly, the an- acceptable answers for Matt were going to be either in the house or you also accepted Nazareth. So in the house, I totally agree with, but I believe that house was in Bethlehem. And uh, Pastor John MacArthur agrees with the B&B brothers' complaint. So that would be my only other additional evidence. Any other plaintiff arguments? I would just like to remind the court that typically any type of close calls by any of the other trivia opponents is counted as good by the judge. But if it's me with a close call, it's down. So I think you as the the judge were saying, oh, this is Jeremy. He's in the ballpark. Count it. So I just want everybody to keep that in mind, too. I move to strike the MacArthur Bible from the evidence. Uh, I don't know if we can prove that that Bible is real or not because this you could throw a, a, a slip cover on anything and call it John MacArthur Bible. It looks like, and and I don't know if the Amazon packaging in the background there. You just pulled that out of. Did you just pull out pull that out of the mailbox there, Benny? Yeah, it looks brand new. <laughs> Should try cracking that open outside of trivia. <laughs> <laughs> he just had a bulletin from. <laughs> I got a bulletin from 2003 in this battle. Oh man, that's terrible. <laughs> so, uh, sustained, Don. <laughs> we clear that. That is sustained. <laughs> so, so any other plaintiff arguments? I was just checking so again, my Spur- Spurgeon notes here for a second. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will. I will point us back to the. Uh, so, 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 Jeremy, as uh, one of the most intelligent guys I've ever met, uh, it's not reflective in the trivia, and so I kind of liken it to the parable that Jesus told about the uh, the man, the rich man who had who was going to who was going to give a festival, and he had hundreds of lambs to choose from. And there was this one poor servant who had like one lamb and the guy didn't take from his massive flocks. He took the one lamb from the poor guy and used it for his big feast. And obviously things didn't go well from after that. So I, I was kind of challenging the uh, I was challenging the team on, on we're going after a guy that only has one little lamb <laughs> in comparison. Uh, but I will say like my answer. So it wasn't really a ballpark. I'd challenge you on that, Ryan. Like my answer is either the house or Nazareth. So. And, and here's and, and I'm going to share with you. So some of my arguments, and I, I do agree with you, Bernie. It is probably conjecture, right? We're probably not going to land the ship on it. Though being the head of the committee, I definitely have some some extra sway. But if you look in in Luke two, start in verse twenty two, uh, when they went up to, to the the time of purification came, they went up to Jerusalem, and for a boy, it's about forty days after birth. Okay, and then you, you had uh, touch base with Simeon. Um, so before he died, Simeon got to see the Lord, which was fantastic. Uh, I believe we had Anna the prophetess uh, also uh, made an appearance, which is great. And in verse 39, and when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. 
and Jesus, the child grew and became strong. So it's interesting, like Luke jumps right from there to like, I think when he's 12 and he goes up to the temple and then Matthew kind of fills it in. But I, I would tend to, to lean that after that 40 days, I don't think the Magi came within those 40 days that he was born. I think they came afterwards. And I don't believe Joseph to be a rich man. Like he's just uh, buying houses up in Bethlehem for a while and then back in Nazareth. So uh, I think he had a house and hopefully it was like Airbnb. He was able to rent it out, get some money while he's doing Bethlehem and his his thing. But I think after 40 days after uh, Jesus was born, after that time, they went back to uh, back to Nazareth. So. I think hey, this will always be shrouded in mystery. Uh-oh, wait, as, Dr. Dobson, as, we need the stage. As we think about this question, uh, I do want to call a quick rewind to determine whether a yellow flag needs to be thrown uh, from the official's right front pocket. Oh, uh, no. Matt, did you ascribe the story of the rich man with the lambs and the poor man with one lamb as a, as a parable that Jesus told? I had thought so. That that's that's what I had thought. It was I was I was I did I miss the mark slightly on that? We'll Ethan? throw a yellow flag on it. Yes, that's that's the Where prophet, did the, prophet Nathan talking to David, confronting him about his sin Nathan, with Bathsheba. Jesus. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like oh, the leader and the servant. So. <laughs> <laughs> to prevent, I'm just I'm just looking out for our future podcasts. So we don't have any follow up here with a with a second uh, challenge. <laughs> All that truth kind of got jumbled up in my head. I uh, I, did, I attributed it to the wrong uh, the wrong person, but both uh, both righteous people nonetheless. So good call, Ethan. All that truth got jumbled up in my head. That that just happened. <laughs> that sounds like something. That sounds like something that I heard uh, I heard over and over in college at times. Coming out, <laughs> too much came at me at once. I think that was the college thing. That was too much to take. So. Well, that's great. I, I mean, ultimately, right now, Jeremy, your your, your point is safe, uh, but I, I do think it's uh, we we do want to uh, w- uh, welcome uh, challenges to that. Uh, though the trivia uh, master does try to strive for uh, truth and integrity, there uh, there are some times where it can be challenged, and I, they had to come strong. They had to come with Johnny Mac to even have a chance. So uh, that was fantastic. Bernie certainly appreciate that. Well, are you are you guys ready to get into this? This week's or uh, this episode's uh, edition of trivia. Yeah, my question We're is: gonna... if, if Bernie plays, who who gets his point? Does he just go to me? Since I'm a low man on the totem pole, that's <laughs> a, a great question. I hadn't I hadn't thought of that. I, I I agree. I think since I suggested that that it's at least a half a point in my direction. Well, first, Jeremy, I'd like your feedback on Matt saying you're the poor guy with only one lamb. Hey, I didn't get the nickname domesticated for nothing. So I understand, you know, it it is what it is. I, I don't I don't. It's not a big deal to me, but uh, I know that I have uh, I have been blessed in other ways. Maybe not my intelligence of of all of you, you know, stacked up against you geniuses. But uh, hey, I've been blessed in other ways. So. That's all right. I'm I'm great with it. All right. Fantastic. So we are going to talk a, a couple of trivia questions as it relates to uh, the Electoral College and elections in general, just because obviously that uh, that was a key kind of a key thing of the past week. So first question, why are elections held on a Tuesday? Again, name is your buzzer. Why are elections held on a Tuesday? Ryan, go ahead. That is the day of the week the Constitution dictates. That That is true. I'm looking more for the reason why. Why did they choose that day constitutionally? There was a reason. I'm just wondering if you know that. 
I'm not going to um, say that's not, that's not a wrong answer, but I, I'm looking for more. Think back. I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to think about the wording in the Constitution for it. Are you saying it's found in the wording, or is there a background story you're looking for, not in the Constitution? It's, yeah, it's background. It's not in the Constitution. But they did pick Tuesday. That was not just a draw name out of a hat day. Kind of kind of links back to the to the start of our nation, rooted in Christian principles and uh, Christian practices. I'll give it a go, Ethan. Go ahead. They wanted to give people a chance to be home for Sunday worship uh, and then have Monday to travel to the Capitol to be able to um, represent their state's electoral votes. That that is actually correct. So Sunday was the day of rest that was set aside to go to church and worship. And because it was very agricultural, a lot of people you know, couldn't couldn't travel or weren't very close to those things. They had Monday set aside for you to travel to your place where you would vote uh, because it took pretty much a whole day's travel. And then Tuesday was the day they cast a ballot. That's exactly right. All right. Well done, Ethan. Nice job. All right. Number two, who was the presidential candidate with the biggest margin of Ryan. victory? Ryan, go ahead. Ronald Reagan. That is... Not correct. Not correct. Who was the presidential candidate with the biggest margin of victory? Ronald was very much up there for sure, but uh, got to go back a little ways. This has got to be like some some presidents we've never even mentioned ever before. Oh, Ben. Ben, go ahead. This is wrong, but I'm going to say FDR. I'm sorry, but that is not correct. Any other guesses before we give the answer? In 1820, during the so-called era of good feelings, James Monroe ran unopposed, winning every electoral college vote except for one, and he garnered 80% of the popular vote. I did not know that, but James Monroe ran unopposed in 1820. He uh, he had the largest margin of victory. So, again, stow that away in your trivia for elections. Number three, why is a Republican state called a red state and a Democratic state called a blue state? Red and blue, why? I will give you a hint. This is actually a recent phenomena. This is not something that was from the beginning. Why is a Republican state called a red state and a Democratic state called a blue state? Think about it from the advent of technology and communications and I got the crowd stumped this week. (laughs) Yeah, it does have to do with uh, color television, right? Is that it? Keep going. Keep going, Don. Uh, Color television. The the fish is on the line, man. (laughs) Reel it in, buddy. Something to do with color television. I I don't know, because those are the predominant colors of the first color television. I don't know. (laughs) Displaying them all right, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's not so much the, the the first colors or the first color television. I think it probably had more colors than just red and blue. But they needed to, as, as they're putting up the electoral college map, they needed some strong designations of you know who's red, who's blue to kind of show you know where they you know how the maps, how the states were uh, were actually going. So that's the reason why they did that. So nice job, Don. Point for Don. Nice. So hey, good did, stuff. I, did, did I get a point on that first question or not? No, no you did not. <laughs> it says right there in the Constitution what day of the week it's going to be held on. That's why we do it then. Yep. I was asking why are elections held on a Tuesday? 
Meaning, why did the Constitution choose Tuesdays? So, <laughs> good job, Ethan, for that point. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right, we got two songs, and then we'll wrap up trivia. Uh, and, Man, this uh, is fun. In, in, <laughs> Bernie made like, Bernie made like our six in the mix replacement for Ryan as he vacates his position. <laughs> If everybody can see his face, it's priceless. He's, you're gonna you're gonna protest, Ryan. I, I already tried. I already tried. I, I've even Bernie. Did you hear that podcast where Matt was trying to tell me David was not the second king of Israel? <laughs> Don't make me pull out Johnny Mac on you. I'm sure, he's got a footnote in there. All right, we got two songs, and the first one is gonna start in three. Two, one. I've been reading in the Bible about the ending of the age. And one thing that's for certain, it grows Don. closer every day. But that's I am the not cathedrals. About the right. I read the back of the book and we win. The back of the book and we win. Well played. What a good tune. You know, that's this is the tune we need with everything going on. What book are you reading? Hopefully not a conspiracy theorist book. We need to be reading the good book. And I remember uh, this song. I remember we went up to Brainerd. The cathedrals were up in Brainerd, Minnesota. Wow. I don't know if anybody, any of you guys were with me when we went up there. I can't remember who it is. I want to think it was in college sometime. Oh, man. I don't man, think it was because I remember them. I remember that you. I couldn't believe I remember you were on, but I wasn't with oh, you. Oh, my yeah. They sang this song, and I remember the the piano player. I can't remember his name. His name escapes me now, but he wrote this song, and he just, he just sang the mess out of this song. It was so fantastic. He had everybody just, just, just roaring. It was so much fun. It was a great concert. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a Brainerd, Brainerd, Minnesota. The cathedrals went up to Brainerd, Minnesota. Where did they play in Brainerd, Minnesota? It wasn't at First Baptist Baxter. No, it was not. It was at some auditorium. It looked like a high school or something, some auditorium. I can't remember. Dude, their community college is pretty big up there because we... Yeah, uh, that's true. My my grandparents did... Uh, well, they were part of a show up there called the Geritol Frolics. Which they had uh, senior citizens do uh, just a variety show, and it was great. Uh, dancing, singing, it was one, like literally wonderful. Like knock your socks off. But uh, yeah, Brainerd's big. Uh, that's that's big. That's mainstream. I think it goes Minneapolis, St. Paul, and then Brainerd. Pretty sure. <laughs> so, Geritol frolics, really. Uh, I I'm telling you, like it it was. Uh, I mean, they had the the ladies were like uh, Vegas dancers, and they they were doing the high kicking and stuff. It was great, funny stuff. Like it was it was wonderful. Like it was it was great. My grandma was uh, was was a wonderful gal for sure. So. <laughs> Vegas I, dancers. I, he just I was his grandmother to a Vegas dancer. Is that what I no, just they heard? Were, they went, guys. They went to they went to Vegas and did their show. Like they traveled all over the place and did. This is a legit. I'm going to get you guys the video. It, <laughs> it, it was wonderful. Yeah, she did this one skit. I think like with uh, like a telephone game one. It was just hysterical. <laughs> like it just knocked your. I mean, literally, you're 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 rolling on the ground laughing. Oh, forget six in the mix podcast. We're putting that on our Facebook and we're going to light it up. Is this family? Well, what, is this family friendly? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's oh, okay. PG-ish. Yeah, no doubt. PG-ish. No doubt. I'm not watching yeah. your grandmother kick her legs. I'm sorry, brother. Hey, it's, these gals, the gals were in shape. There's no doubt about it. You know, they, uh, they, uh, you know. Next question, it please. Was, Next question, yeah. please. I prefer, I prefer 2020 trivia. It play. All right, play one one more song, and here we go. Ryan. Go ahead. Acapella, standing right in front of you. That is... Correct. I thought normally, Ryan, you kind of like give a smile, a smirk, but I feel like you're kind of in the zone. You really want the point. Well, like you weren't even. Yeah, I I haven't had a point all year. So. (laughs) Oh, we're feeling very sorry for you. That's for sure. You got that on the third note. I, I, and I did. It, guys, you know, sometimes I try to, I try to uh, pitch things a little bit uh, away from Ryan, but I knew Ryan had a pretty, uh, pretty good uh, opportunity to get this one. Um, but this, this one fit, I think, with what we talked about last week. And uh, this is out there, all that I need album, and uh, talks about Steven, talks about Pilot, and then challenges us. You know, guys. Truth is standing right in front of us is Jesus. So, uh, fantastic message from uh, acapella. So, amen. This is also one we used to sing in the dorm. Man, that was good. Yeah, it's it's a great song, and we need it more than ever. Yeah, no doubt. Well, that's going to wrap it up for Six in the Mix Trivia. Bernie, thank you for your contribution uh, to that. That was fantastic. I'm going to turn it over to uh, Ryan for calling your shot. Okay, so this week we are going to actually take an opposite direction from what we did last week in Calling Your Shot. We all shared our thoughts on what might be the biggest threat in the coming year uh, for us to, for us as a nation as we consider the, the many obstacles we're dealing with right now. And admittedly, I, I was a, a lone voice for China being the biggest threat. But after this week, I'm, I'm swayed a little bit more to some of my co- comrades here that mentioned civil war being the biggest threat. So hopefully, hopefully none of that pans out to be to be major threats. So I thought, well, maybe maybe what we should do is uh, look for an unexpected positive that will arise out of 2021. It's easy to focus in on the negatives um, in this world, this corrupt world that we live in. Uh, but we, we should have we should have a different worldview. Those of us who name the name of Christ, I'm hoping that that gives us optimism. Uh, we are able to see positives. Some of you have already alluded to that earlier in the podcast, um, that, that you are thinking that way for 2021, which is encouraging to hear. So I'll uh, be interested to hear what you all have to say before we get into that. Um, I, I do want to update what we do with calling your shot. We either name a favorite thing in life, we share our favorites, or we make a prediction. And so I wanted to kind of give an update on how people are doing with their predictions so far, um, going all the way back to when we started. And from my best estimate, let me pull up the, the sheet here. Uh, I think we've had four predictions that have come to fruition. All right. There's one that is that is close to, which is, will the NFL have a full season? We're not quite there yet. We think they will, but that's not part of the tally. So I just wanted to go through the, the totals here for each person. Uh, and feel free to object. Uh, I, I, I may have left one out or, or not tallied them correctly. I'm certainly prone to error. 
So first of all, out of the four predictive events, Matt, you are two out of four in uh, in your predictions. You're batting 500. Ben, you are three out of four. So you're batting solid 750. That's that's pretty good. Don, you are four out of four, the best I can tell. So you are batting 1,000. Jeremy, you are two out of four. You are batting with Matt at the 500 clip. Ethan, you've you've missed out on a couple. Uh, so, but the good news is you are batting a thousand. You're two out of two on your predictions, and then your your humble correspondent for this uh, part of the podcast looks like so far I am four out of four as well, batting a thousand. And so that's where we stand with our predictions, though I think I'm about to take take an L here once we have a full NFL season. So some of you quick, guys – yeah, go question. ahead. What, what are my two losses out of curiosity? Uh, yeah, so your two losses, uh, we've got – well, Trump win, you said yes. And will the World Series winner, you said the Twins. Yeah, so the, the Twins for sure I get, but uh, I don't believe we have another president yet. <laughs> yes i'm just saying like how can you call that like it's it, it hasn't right. it, it hasn't happened yet you're right you're right i, I it, that was premature well here's the deal if you remember last week i was going to share the update updated stats last week but then we knew this past week could be a little bit interesting shall we say with what they did with the certification in congress but congress did go ahead and certify so I think by any measurable point, you would say that President-elect Biden is going to be president on January 20th. Now, you're right. Could something happen that has never been done in history? I suppose. But based upon as my understanding of the Constitution, uh, after that certification gets done, it is, it is locked in. Um, anybody else care to uh, – am I, am I rushing to judgment there? Uh, not to say I I uh, buy into conspiracies or anything, but uh, I did hear uh, Mike Lindell uh, uh, prognosticate just a couple hours ago that um, President Trump will be your next president for the next four years. Uh, he's uh, he's on his way down in his private jet somewhere to uh, to pull off some uh, so pull off some miracle uh, uh, sometime this week. So be prepared. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's extremely likely. I just think we should wait until the actual inauguration. So there's enough fun going on. I, I wouldn't be surprised if something tried, you, was, was attempted. Tell you what, if if it if it comes to comes to be that we're going to see something we've never seen before, I'll be glad to update that. But certainly, certainly, I think it's fair to say based upon what Congress did this week. And by the way, why does everybody hate Mike Pence now? I mean, what what's going on there? He's, he was between a rock and a hard place. Like there's yeah. there's no, no winning. I, I I didn't like that part of Trump's speech where he just smashed his own vice president, who's been more than loyal to him over four years. So that that bothered me. But anyway, I don't want to get off on a tangent here. Uh, so we'll, we'll hop into uh, something you think some positive, uh, unexpected positive you all might see in 2021. So this this should be encouraging. Uh, let's start with Ben. Ben, what what are you seeing this year? I was hoping I could go later in the list so I could steal somebody else's take. Yeah, so mine, I guess, isn't really unexpected. I just think there's been some maybe unexpected positives through the course of kind of the whole COVID pandemic since March that, that we've realized as families or, or maybe even as a culture that we can 
move forward, you know, things like um, increased uh, uh, working uh, distance, working, working remotely from home, you know, that can be that that I think has some positive tones to it. I, I just think there's some of the things uh, increased family time is another one that we've you know seen as a family. So I, I guess I'll be very interested to see going forward what kind of considerations for COVID will carry forward and kind of become permanent fixtures of what we can do now that we can leverage the different components of technology or, you know, what have you, that we can just become part of everyday life uh, going into the future of 2021 and beyond that are maybe some unexpected positive we've got out of 2020 that'll just continue to carry forward. So that, that, so I'll start off, I guess, on an easy one and you guys can come up with some better ideas than what I've got. So. Mm. I like that. I, I, I'm hoping personally I can continue working from home all the time. That that has been that has been nice, um, but I, I'm curious to see how the general population responds. Will people almost become a little bit more germ conscious and not want to be around people, or when the time comes and this pandemic is behind us, will it be such a neat novelty to be around people again? We'll see more more mixing. So that's. But yeah, I agree. There are some nice benefits that have come out of this this past year in terms of the technology, what it's allowed us to do. And it's even brought this group of guys back together again. So that's that's fun. All right. Uh, let's go to our friend in North Carolina, Ethan. I think there's a few things that I would say, um, but I'll, I'll focus on one. I think one positive moving forward coming out of COVID and moving into 2021 is I think a lot of people will take the time, hopefully, I think, um, to evaluate what's most important, uh, what's more important. And, and I think this process, this time, I think, has caused a lot of us to really examine where we stand, um, what, we, what our priorities are. Um, and I do think growing numbers, I pray that growing numbers of people will become dissatisfied with some of the things that ha- they have placed in the preeminent throne of their life. Um, and that we'll see that transition happen for people in terms of looking for uh, what they were created for, uh, to know their creator, um, and, and that people will see and sense a need um, to kind of tear down idols in some ways, uh, whether that's power, money, uh, position, entertainment, whatever that is, um, security, uh, a lot of those things have been torn down and taken away from us in different ways. And so I'm, I'm hopeful uh, and anticipating that for this next year, praying for that for this next year. Amen. Thank you, Ethan. All right, Jeremy, how about you? I've got, I've got two things. First of all, more people are going to butter their donuts. That is a guarantee. I've told all, all I've told all my classes about that. I've got kids juiced up about this, Don. So they are, they're like, we've never heard of that. I'm like, you should try it. So I've not done it yet, but um, they're going to butter their donuts. Uh, Just a completely, I mean, you guys are taking it serious and that's fine. I thought about doing that too. But uh, just from a practical situation, I think there are going to be more people doing things around their home to the outsides of their house to make aesthetically their place of residence and the place they live nicer. I think there's going to be more of that. I think there are going to be people buying flowers and putting stuff out, making making the outsides of their house look look nicer. I just think there's going to be projects like that going on, even though COVID may be you know, going away. I think people got this itch of, oh man, we should do some things. We should do some things around here. 
And I think that's going to happen. So uh, with that, I'm I'm maybe tickling the idea of selling two of my homes and trying to get rid of those and stop being the, the landlord kind of guy. Anyway, there's my two cents. Well, Jeremy, I'm I'm actually loving to I'm learning a lot about chickens from you. Yeah, like you're the videos you're putting out with the uh, Schaefer Farms. That's right. Oh, there about, goes the last all name. About, all about uh, chickens. It, it, no, they were. It's fantastic. I, I watched one this morning that was that was really cool, man. So what you're doing to, to help better you know, your home, your barn, the community is fantastic. Yeah, we're. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm just about ready to launch into a community thing where I got people supporting me, so I can buy supplies to be able to to uh, give fresh food to food pantries and other other scenarios. So I'm. I'm really trying to network and make this into kind of a, a thing. So we'll see what happens. All right, Bernie, our guest. How about you? Have you had time to think about a positive that might come out of 2020? Yeah, I was actually thinking uh, the same way as Ethan was with priorities. But two things that kind of quick came to mind that I wasn't sure what for projections was the payout that Don's going to get from wagering on map. (laughs) I mean, that might be big. I don't know. That could be huge. (laughs) And I just heard. And the other thing I'm not 100 percent sure about is uh, since Back to the Future was posed in 2020, I believe, or in that neighborhood, right? Maybe Mr. Tesla, since he's been voted or has been seen as the richest man now in the U.S., maybe will we we will see some hover vehicles coming out of it. <laughs> nice. But I, I I think the priorities thing has been a huge thing for us. Uh, just within even schooling, parents are considering homeschool, Christian school, whatever it might take, just to spend time with their kids, to be the most you know thinking a little bit more to build up that inner workings of the family has been a huge thing for people. And so I really hope that that just continues through the new year. Yeah, that would be, that would be a strong positive for, for all families. All right. I'm heading to the left side of my screen now, Matt, how about you? Well, much like the mythical creature, the Phoenix 2021 rises out of the ashes. That is 2020. And uh, guys, I, I took the plunge. The positive for me in 2021, I think, you know, hopefully for sure, both spiritually, uh, mainly, but physically, I, I took the plunge. I've, uh, I, I'm in. Uh, healthy wage is is on the way, in, I believe starts tomorrow. Uh, so the journey starts tomorrow, um, and uh, I uh, I am in. So so yeah, Don, whatever you're willing to donate to the cause certainly willing to uh accept the challenge and uh any encouragement is much appreciated well i'll be uh i'll be contacting my financial advisor tomorrow morning for <laughs> selling some uh some uh funds here and there uh you might want to watch the stock market it might uh because i'm selling everything and uh we're going all in <laughs> i love it all in that's it that's it it's game time that's that's great, Matt. Like I said, I I'm already helping a friend with that. So if if there's a way you want to put me in on your email, because it could send me an email and let me know how you're doing. I mean, it doesn't tell me exactly how you're doing. And so typically, when I receive that from my friend, I just send him a note. You know, just like an accountability note. So if if that's an option, I'm happy to I'm happy to try to get you to beat Don's expectations for you. Yeah. Anybody else want to be a lifeline for me? Anybody else? I'm with you. I'm I'm yeah. all with you. I'd like to put money along with Don, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear, if I'm successful, I get your money, correct? This is not going to be... 
I'm motivating right? you. I, th- so, yeah. yeah I, so that means I'm with you, Matt. I'm with okay. You. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about specifics, but yeah, Don, uh, take out a significant chunk. But. Well, you need to send us all these specifics about this. Cause I, I'm interested oh, yeah, in yeah. this too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And our, do. and our listener base. I mean, they're all in too, obviously. I mean, you know, it's going to be thousands here. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd of 26 is going wild. Yeah. But it's growing. It is yeah. growing. No, that's that's great to hear, Matt. We uh, we we cheer you on, and uh, yeah, it's 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 tough. It's it's tough. Uh, I, as you guys see me sitting here, off off times, I'm sitting here munching on sweet snacks or salty snacks. So uh, I I'd like to do that more because my way of keeping in shape takes place in the summer by playing tennis a lot, and so winter time it's just really a struggle for me. But it's it's a good reminder to to be thinking about it. Uh, myself. So, all right, Don, how about, how about you? Besides uh, you cashing in big time on your uh, finances this year, what, what positive do you see? First thing I'm looking forward to uh, in 2021 is the season three of Mandalorian. Uh, Big Star Wars fan. I cannot wait. Um, I don't know what direction they're going in, whether they're going to go, because I know that the, uh, the book of Boba Fett is uh, on, on the table. All right. Does anybody know? Are, are you guys uh, Mandalorian fans? I don't know. Is are they going? Are they going to split off from from uh, Baby Yoda and and his his training with Luke Skywalker? Or is Book of Boba Fett going to be completely a new series? What are you even talking about? Are, are we talking about Star Trek or Star Wars? Oh, curse you, you filthy! Yeah. I, I'm with you, Don. I, but I, when I watch uh, TV or, or movies, I like to just sit back and let it happen. So I'm not usually an overthinker and projecting what's going to happen. But I, we have watched both seasons. It, oh, is, yeah. it is a good show. All right. So I'm looking forward to that. And then also, I'm looking forward to, I don't know if you guys realize this, but uh, the 2021 Tokyo Olympics are definitely happening. I cannot wait. I am looking forward to some Olympic action here, and uh, can, uh, this is a big, big event in our family. We like to, we like to keep track of it. So I'm hoping that uh, that it goes through. I, yeah, I was kind of wondering where we were standing on the Olympics, Don. Have you heard uh, any follow up information about our athletes regarding if they'll be taking a knee or singing the Black National Anthem, anything like that? I haven't, I haven't gone down that road. All I know is that I just saw that uh, the Olympic Committee vice president says take place with or without COVID. So beginning July 23rd, 2021. Great. That's yeah. Awesome. It's always, always a great time for patriotism, but in, in recent years, it's, it's hard to know how that's going to manifest itself, I think. So, okay. Thanks, Don. I guess the, the two I'll share, one will be family related, then one will be hopefully a positive for society at whole at large. And the, the family positive, I think is building off of what we did this, this past year doing more outdoors, finding finding new ways to get outside and enjoy nature. We, we found more places to hike. We're looking forward to expanding that number. Uh, we, we finally have a bike rack for my vehicle. So I'm looking forward to putting the bikes on the vehicle and heading to new parts of town, outside of town. We, we're about 45 minutes from some really nice trails I hear. We haven't been there yet. So and, and then Mia and I just started doing a little bit of fishing for the first time last summer. So we weren't successful. So we're going to try to increase the amount of time we fish and hopefully the success rate of our fishing. And then as a society, this this sounds like wishful thinking, even based on some of the earlier conversations we had, but I, I'm optimistic that more truth will be revealed. And the cry many of us have mentioned tonight of, of more truth, and that is the key. I, I hope it gets revealed 
and that we're able to see through some some of the fog, some of the deception that's out there. And like Jeremy said, I know Ephesians six is is our is our primary issue dealing with things that we can't see. But I, I hope that whereas twenty twenty there was so much we couldn't distinguish from from COVID realities all the way through election questions. Um, it was a tough year for truth, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping 2021 is, 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 I won't say a banner year for truth, but a step in the right direction based upon what we saw in 2020. So, okay, well, that's going to wrap it up. And uh, speaking of good news, uh, we'll turn it over to uh, Ben. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, feel good story of the week. So with, with the way our last week has gone, I thought maybe tonight would be a good opportunity for a double helping of feel good story of the week. So I've got, I've got two stories for you with a common theme of, uh, of debt cancellation. So first one comes from the state of Arkansas. Uh, a doctor there had a, a 30-year business where he um, had a cancer treatment center and came to retirement time, and he was mulling over what to do with the customers or the, the patients who still had uh, payments left for the treatment that they received there. And he decided, uh, he'd been a pretty generous guy throughout his career, but he decided just to forgive all of their debt uh, when he closed up business at his cancer treatment center. So he uh, took care of the debt for uh, 200 patients, just zeroed it out, 200 patients totaling $650,000. Uh, wrote them all a nice Christmas card, just saying that they were uh, proud to be the server or the provider uh, for the patients and, and that it's been a rough year. So they were just going to take care of everybody's balances and happy holidays. So kind of a cool, cool story out of Arkansas. And then, uh, so 650000 sounds pretty great, but I had a, a tip on this one from our uh, friend Ethan here about another great uh, story. And this one comes from Dave Ramsey. Uh, you've maybe heard of Dave Ramsey with his uh, advice that he has out there for finances and, and how to uh, get your household uh, budgets in order so you can be a, a better, even a better giver. And this year, he basically bought out two collection agencies, which covered the debt for 8,000 people and a total of $10 million. Uh, again, this happened during the end of 2020 leading into the Christmas season. And he had his employees uh, personally call all of those individuals and just let them know, you know, Merry Christmas, your your debt has been taken care of. And just some really cool stories uh, if you spend a little time uh, Googling that, you can find some really good personal stories for individuals that helped out in such a major way. So yeah, some very, very feel-good stories there from the holiday season this year, the season of giving with with people that just uh, canceled debt for others and uh, you know just really, really set those households out, hopefully for success in the future. So That's great. Thanks a lot, Ben. As we move into Fix Your Eyes, we are focusing on sanctification and have a simple question to kind of start uh, tonight. And the question is, what do you need to know to live a Christ-honoring life? What do you need to know? And I'd just kind of like to get uh, some thoughts from the group, and I'm going to start uh, start with Ryan. I guess we're going to, uh, my answer is going to be based upon a general summary of, of the life of Christ and what Paul writes throughout many of his epistles. And that would be to glorify Christ, you would have to know that your life is not your own. And it, it's going to have to turn into a selfless life, which means you are looking 
to God, you are following his spirit, not your own desires, and you are thinking of others more than you are thinking of yourself. And so th- those those are the aspects I, I think I would have to know if somebody were to say, for you to honor Christ, what needs to be on your mind? And so that that in a nutshell, I mean, you could flesh this out in so many ways, but that's to me, that's the overwhelming message of a life that glorifies God uh, echoed throughout the New Testament. Oh, that's great. Thanks, Ryan. Jeremy. Well, it was interesting that Bernie referenced Second uh, Peter because when when you text that question out, my my mind went immediately to Second Peter chapter one, and in verse three through following, it says this: His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through him through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these things, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you might participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. He goes on to talk about the fact that we need goodness uh, to to goodness. We need uh, faith, excuse me, then goodness, then knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, uh, mutual affection, love, and all those qualities are given to us through him. And so I think the a great synopsis of that actually comes to us in Second Peter chapter 1, 3 through about 9. And uh, I, to, to answer your question, I mean, those words just jumped right out to me. And I think that was um, scripture speaking for me. And I think that's what I want to do anyway. So there you go. No, that's great. It's one of my favorite passages too. I think that's uh, that's fantastic, Ethan. Ethan, what uh, from your perspective, what does one need to know to live a Christ honoring life? Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm excited about the uh, the opportunity to kind of address some of the questions uh, that we're heading in some of these areas, and I, I really appreciate what Ryan and Jeremy said so far. I think for me. I think the area that I would, if I, if somebody was sitting down across the table from me, kind of asking this question, I think the thing that I would try and focus on um, to be kind of on the practical side of things is in order to be able to live a, a Christ honoring life, I think we have to know a couple of key things. And I would summarize them by saying we, we have to know what our position is in Christ and we have to know what our condition is in Christ. Um, and when I say position, we have to understand the gospel. We have to understand who we were apart from Christ, who we were before him, and as well, who we are now if we have put our faith and trust in him. Um, and, and our position in Christ um, leads us to an understanding of how we can have assurance of our salvation, which I think is key to be able to live a Christ-honoring life. It helps us to understand the idea that we are fully justified. Um, and it's by God's grace, not through our works, which really removes so much of the pressure to perform and to be and do, which I think bear weighs so heavily on so many Christians' shoulders so many times. Uh, but when we understand our position is that we're fully forgiven, uh, we're redeemed, we're justified, we're adopted, and, and we have confidence in that, it frees us. Um, and the second thing I think that makes a huge difference from a practical standpoint is understanding our condition in that when we choose to put our faith and trust in Christ, we are free from the penalty of sin uh, because of Christ's justification of us. But we're not yet free um, from the presence of sin in our lives. And so we still are going through this process of sanctification. 
So this, the second thing I think is just having an, an understanding I'd encourage is an understanding of our condition um, in Christ and that we're, we are, while we are free from the penalty of sin um, and our faith in Christ has, has freed us from the power of sin, we still struggle with its presence in our lives. And so understanding what does it look like to walk with God in confession and repentance, um, trusting in Him to do the work that He has promised to do in our lives, um, knowing that He's given us, as Jeremy's passage in First Peter said, He's given us all that we need for um, growth and godliness in terms of His Word, in terms of the ability to confess and repent of sins, and and the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Um, he, it's His work. Uh, and when we know our position and our condition, it frees us to be able to trust in Him by faith and continue to walk with Him by faith um, even after our salvation. So that's that's my two cents. No, that's great position and condition. That's uh, that's a great way to sum it up, Don. So um, I think I, when I thought of this, um, I I thought of John uh, verse the verse John one fourteen when it talks about um, Jesus Christ coming to earth full of grace and truth. And I think to mirror uh, Jesus Christ on this earth, as he was mentioned to being full of grace and truth, I think for us to to um, live a, a Christ-honoring life is to demonstrate those two characteristics. And it's a loaded, that's a loaded statement in itself. But I think uh, living a life of grace and truth, that would be my answer. Yeah, that's great. Bernie? I would just if I could piggyback off of others when, you know, all those things are already touched on. So to think through the idea that God wants us to be molded into the image of his son and that um, the things that we go through and the things that um, happen to us in our lives are all for a purpose um, that he, he truly does love us. And to recognize that even in a mindset of loneliness or despair, that the reality is that he uh, is crazy about us and wants us to be continued to be molded into his image. Um, and so just kind of, you know, giving some motivation behind the, the desire to be sanctified. No, that's great. Thanks, Bernie. Ben. Thanks, Matt. Uh, this is a great question. So a couple verses that came to mind for me uh, when I was thinking about this question. First one is Psalm 119.11, where it says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that one really rings true for me. I know in times of kind of no matter what life is facing me, um, God or the Holy Spirit will bring uh, verses back to my mind when I'm when I'm facing a circumstance, whether it's worry, whether it's a, a choice I need to make. You know, I mean, it, obviously, the Bible doesn't spell out everything in detail about the ex- every day of my life, but it, it, the principles that are there um they just come back to me right when I need them. Even verses I don't think I remember, I remember them from years later. And there's just so much power in the Bible and in the Word of God. And even when you you know hide that word in your heart as a young person, maybe through the Iwana program or whatever, some of those verses will come back to you when right right when you need them. And so that, that's one um, verse that came back to me when when I was thinking about this question. And then the other one is just thinking about, you know, how do we honor God with our lives? And it uh, brought me to Matthew 22, where it says, uh, you know, they came and asked him, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if we love God 
and all the things that that means, right? That's a, I mean, that's a easy two word answer, but love God is a, is a, there's a lot to that. And if we love our neighbor, again, there's a lot to that one too, but if we can do those two things, we can live a God honoring life. Yeah, that's great. I think uh, I've, I've really enjoyed what all of you guys have said. And yeah, I think I'm most excited about talking about sanctification because this is not a position of strength for me. It's one where I'm seeking to grow and to understand uh, a lot of opportunities for me. And so this is going to help me. I do believe would probably line up most with what Ethan was talking about. I believe the things that we need to know are rooted in in the gospel. And, you know, my dad has really been really been working through Romans 6 and believes that's a key a key to the Christian life. And so, um, though I don't fully, I mean, I, I can read through it. I don't fully understand it fully yet, you know, to know that we're, we're dead to sin, but that's critical, you know, when, you know, and, and it's not, there's just one chapter in the Bible you've got to know, but that, that seems to be pretty critical. I think Paul spends a lot of time talking about that Romans six and then into Romans seven, the struggle is real and, and into Romans eight. And so, uh, I, I would probably land, uh, right in, in Romans the truths that are that are there, uh, those are really critical for knowing. And uh, I look forward to next week. We're going to talk a little bit about what do you need to believe, which kind of sounds like that's the same thing. Well, it's it's really not. There's a lot of people who have that knowledge, but believing starts moving more into connecting to the heart and, and flushing it out. So uh, certainly excited to go there with you guys on that. But uh, that'll uh, that'll that'll complete fix your eyes and. And that's a wrap on episode 21 on this, the 10th day of January, year of our Lord, 2021. This was Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. Review us and leave a comment. Visit our Facebook page at Six in the Mix Podcast and comment on what topics you'd like us to discuss. We are also on Twitter at Six in the Mix Pod. Join us on our journey.